um, for loving my family, and, uh, and in all honesty, we were probably going to get ourselves a dog this last week anyway, and you just shoved us over the edge, but, um, but I, I appreciate your love and support so very much. Uh, let me hit a couple of housekeeping things for you real quick. Out in the lobby, there are some business cards that look like this one, and uh, it is letting you know that we're changing our service times. And I announced this last week, but starting August the 31st, uh, that's Labor Day weekend, we're going to be shifting our service times. Then They're only going to be moving 30 minutes. They're going to go from 10 and 11.30 to 9.30 and 11. So if you normally come to the 10, uh, you can shift that forward just a little bit. If you, um, you want to sleep in a little bit and come to the 11, whatever you need to do. But 9.30 and 11 starting in just a few weeks. So make sure you put that on your calendar. Remember that. Also, don't forget, uh, today is technically the last day you can bring things for the back-to-school bash. Uh, but I'm probably going to drive some of our team crazy. You can still bring some this week. If you said, man, I was going to bring it today and I forgot, and uh, then what you can do is just bring it by the office between uh, 9 and 5 p.m. Uh, over the next few days, drop it off, and we'll make sure we get that in there. But I love seeing this pile of stuff over here that this is all from you, that you have uh, brought this in, and we're going to be giving this to, to kids and students in our community. So I appreciate that, and I just want to say thank you for your support and jumping on board with the Back to School bash. And then the last thing I want to mention real quickly is August 24th, that's a Sunday night. At 6 p.m., we're going to be having a volunteer celebration uh, in this room. So if you volunteer here at the summit, if you have uh, gone through that process and you're currently serving in an area, we want you to be here that night. It's going to be a night that we can just celebrate those who make ministry happen here. Because how many of you know, um, I only get to do what I do because of the hundreds of volunteers we have behind the scenes that are uh, working in, in, the, in the nursery and in childcare and in the kids' ministry. We're working upstairs in the sound booth and the, the, the media booth upstairs. All these people make what we do happen. I just have a little portion of that. And so we want to celebrate all of our volunteers and everybody who serves uh, this body so faithfully. So August, uh, August 24th, that's a Sunday night at 6 p.m. We'd love for you to be here. If you have questions about that, stop by the info kiosk or see one of the staff. Uh, next week, we're starting a new series. It's called Promised Land. And I'm, I'm really excited about this series because I feel like God has placed a promise in front of every single one of us. I think there are general promises that we all have for our lives, but then I think God has a specific promise for each of you. And there are barriers and there are obstacles that are going to prevent us from getting to where God wants us to be. And so over the next few weeks, starting next Sunday, we're going to be looking at some of those barriers that prevent us from reaching God's promises for our life. And we're going to look at what that means and how that applies to your life. So I want you to be here over the next few weeks and make sure you hear that. And uh, today we are finishing up Philippians. It's kind of sad. We've been, this is week eight. It feels like we've been doing this forever. But um, if you've missed any of the parts of the series, please go back and check those out online. You can listen to those at our website. You can find them on iTunes. If you search Summit together, you're going to pull those up. You can listen to those as well. But we're going to pick it up in Philippians chapter four, verse 10 today. And I don't think I welcome those that are watching online. If you're watching online, worshiping with us at summittogether.com, thank you so much for worshiping with us. Hope you're having a blessed day wherever you are and however you're joining us. And uh, if you get over to Philippians chapter 4, verse 10, you can, you can uh, put your finger there, or if you've got a tablet or something, then you don't need to worry about it. But we're also going to be reading from Ephesians and Romans, so uh, just be ready to flip around a little bit today. This is what it says in Philippians chapter 4, verse 10. It says, I rejoiced in the Lord greatly that now at length you have revived your concern for me. You were indeed concerned for me, but you had no opportunity. And Paul, remember, was a church planter. So what he would do is he would go and establish a ministry, establish a church, and then he would get it going, get it healthy, and he would move 
to another place and start another church because he realized the importance of new churches and communities, especially in that day and age. And so when he left uh, places, churches would oftentimes support him. And the church at Philippi, he went and started that work. And then when he left, they supported him. And uh, there was a gap in their support for a little while. And most theologians believe it was simply because there was no communication between them, because they, it's not like you can wire funds to somebody at that time. You couldn't do that. So they would literally have to bring money in a bag or you know, carry it with them someplace. And so they just hadn't had the opportunity to do that. And so it's interesting because he's saying, I rejoice in the Lord greatly that now at length you have re revived your concern for me. And now it looks a little bit self-serving that he's saying, it's about time you started supporting me. Uh, but that's not really what he's saying, and we'll get to that in just a moment. Verse 11 says, Not that I am speaking of being in need, for I have learned in whatever situation I am to be content. How many of you wish you could say that about your life, that no matter what your situation is, you've learned to be content? I wish I could say that about my life. There's a lot of times that I'm not very content. And if you look at the, the meaning of the word content, a couple of the definitions, one is satisfied. And when I read that, I didn't ring true because I immediately thought of Thanksgiving dinner. And uh, how many after Thanksgiving dinner you, you eat, whether it's lunch or supper, whatever it is, and you eat and you have eaten way too much and you've got to get your like sweatpants, you know, something with elastic. You can't wear normal pants because if you do, like something's going to bust internally or your pants, something's going to happen. So this is the one I'm talking about because typically when I finish Thanksgiving dinner, I'm not satisfied. I, I feel sick. I'm like, oh my gosh, why did I eat that much? I should have stopped three plates ago, but I didn't. And that's not what it's talking about. Uh, satisfied in this sense, uh, another way it can be interpreted is as uh, complete or brought to completion. And so what he's saying is, uh, I, no matter what my circumstance or situation is, I'm not incomplete. Jewish people have a word, and you might have heard it, it's often interpreted as a peace. It's shalom, is the Hebrew word for peace. But that word really, it's, it's not, it doesn't just mean a lack of conflict. What it really means is um, lacking nothing, is what it means. It means it is totally complete and whole and full. And so really, in many ways, this is what Paul's saying. He's saying, I'm, I'm at peace no matter what is going on in my life, no matter what the circumstance or situation holds for me, he said, I've learned in whatever situation I'm to be content. I'm at peace. I'm complete. I'm lacking nothing. And again, many of us, uh, we have this mindset that, man, if I just had a little more money in my bank account, man, I'd be at peace. If my kids were just a little better, if I had a little bit of a nicer car, like a 68 Camaro murdered out, if I had, you know... And we go through this list, man, if I just had this, then it would be fine. And what we're doing is we're expressing the exact opposite of what Paul is saying. Because Paul's saying, no matter what the circumstances are, I'm complete. I'm at peace knowing that I'm good, that God is in control, that everything's okay. But most of us don't live our lives that way. Verse 12 says, I know how to be brought low. <laughs> how many of you know how to be brought low? I've been brought low a time or two. And know how to abound. He says, I, I know how to live in lack, and I know how to live in abundance. And he goes on to say, in any and every circumstance, I've learned the secret of facing plenty and hunger, abundance and need. Aren't you ready? You're like, okay, I'm, I'm ready to hear. What is the secret? You remember in school, like when you were a kid and some kid would go, I know somebody who likes you. Okay, who is it? Well, I can't tell you. Well, I'm going to punch you in the face now. 
you have to tell me, right? It's like, come on, get on with it. And this is where we're at, because Paul's saying, I've learned the secret. I know how to live with abundance or in need. I know how to be totally satisfied with whatever I've got. And we're all breathlessly waiting the next passage. If you've got your Bible, you already read it. Verse 13 says, I can do all things through him who strengthens me. Now, this is a passage of Scripture that has been hijacked by many people. It's been put on bumper stickers and coffee mugs and T-shirts, and it's well-intentioned because many times what we do is we will take this verse and we will anchor ourselves to it and say, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. So you know what? I'm running a marathon. Do you know why? Because I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. But wait a second. I haven't worked out in about two years, so probably I can't run a marathon. God's going, even that's beyond me, Mel. I'm sorry. I'm making light of this, but a lot of times what we do is we say, well, what this says is anything I do, God will bless. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me, but that's not what it's saying at all. What it's saying is God will bless, uh, God will bless whatever you're doing as long as you do what God is blessing. Does that make sense? Because sometimes we'll pray this prayer. We'll say, God, uh, this is what I'm going to do. Here's my plan for life. Now I need you to just apply your blessing to it. And God's like, well, no, I don't think so. Because that's not my plan for you. And then we get frustrated. We think God doesn't hear our prayers. We think God doesn't love us or care about us because he's not answering our prayer. But the truth is, we're saying, God, bless what I'm doing. But what we need to say is, God, how can I do what you're blessing? How can I get lined up with your plan and purpose for my life so that I can walk in your blessing? See, whatever God calls you to do, he equips you to do. So Paul was saying, very simply, he was saying, listen, I'm poor, but that's okay because God has called me to my role and my job and I can find completion in God because I'm doing what God has called me to do because he is empowering me to do what he has called me to do. Now, again, that's a stark difference from this is what I want to do, God, you need to bless it. Paul's saying, the reason I can be complete and whole in lack is because I don't find my completion in how much money is my bank account. I find my completion in who my God is. And so many times we expect our circumstances to dictate our happiness and our joy, when in reality we need to say, God, you are the source of my joy. You are the source of my completion. No matter what my situation at work looks like, no matter what my situation at home looks like, no matter what my relationships are, no matter what my bank account says, I am complete and I am whole in you and you alone. And this is the secret to Paul being able to live in lack or in abundance. It's that he can do all things through Christ who strengthens him. Now, the word all things, this isn't going to shock you. Uh, if you li- interpret it literally, it means unlimited. So the bad news is, just because you want something doesn't mean God's going to bless you. Just because you say, God, this is what I want to do, doesn't mean he's going to apply his blessing to that. But the good news is, there is no limit to what you can do when God has called you to do something. Let me say that again. I want you to catch this. There is no limit to what you can do when God has called you to do something. So when in your life you say, God, I I feel like this is what you're speaking to me. Let me change the word from call to speak because sometimes we think call is like what I do. I get called to ministry and it's something different. But when God speaks to you about something, maybe it's going across the street to invite your neighbor to church. 
And you go, oh, God, I don't know, man. What if, what if they, man, I don't want to be looking like I'm weird. And you start going through all the excuses. But do you know what? All your excuses are invalid because if God is speaking to you to do something, he is empowering and equip you to do that. Right, there's some of you in this room, this is, might get a little heavy, but there's some of you in this room that your marriage is hanging on by a thread. It is falling apart. And you're thinking about quitting. You're thinking about throwing in the towel because it's hard. You know what, when, when you got married, you didn't stand at the altar and go, listen, you know what, I, I can't stand you, and you can't stand me, so let's see how long we can make it through this thing. Right? Nobody starts a marriage like that. How does it start? I love you, I'm dedicated to you for the rest of my life, there's nothing's going to tear us apart. And I did a wedding yesterday in this room, and it's a day of celebration, but I talked to him a lot about the tough times, because let's be honest, there are tough times in marriage, no matter how good your marriage is, there are tough days. And, and nobody gets married thinking, man, I'm going to hate your guts the rest of my life. This is going to be miserable. Can we do it? No. What do you do? You're committed to each other in relationship and love. You're going to walk through this thing together, but then circumstances happen in your life. God has brought you together, but then you start wondering, did God really bring us together? But let me tell you something. You are wondering today if you can make it through your marriage, if you can salvage the train wreck of your marriage. And I am telling you today, you can. Do you know why? Because God brought you together, and you can do all things through Christ who strengthens you. Why? Because he can rescue your marriage. He can put the pieces back together. You can't. You're not good enough. You're not strong enough. You're not talented enough. You're not smart enough. But do you know who can? God. When we say, God, I'm tired of trying to fix this thing on my own. I'm going to submit it to you. I need you to put the pieces back together. Why? Because he has called you to a healthy marriage. Amen. And you can do all things through Christ who strengthens you. He equips you to do the job he's calling you to do. Does that make sense? Amen. This applies to every circumstance in our life. When God calls us to something, he will equip us to do it. I, I told Pastor Dick this last week. At times, it's almost, it's almost a little scary to look at what God is doing in our church, the people he's bringing in, and the lives that are being changed, because it has implications for our future. <laughs> and that, that's a little nerve-wracking, because I'm like, I've, I've been here seven months, God. You're supposed to give me some time here, Lord. You know, like, let's work through some of this first. And I told Pastor Dick that this, this story that keeps coming back to my mind over and over and over again is when Joshua was leading the children of Israel out of out of the wilderness into the promised land. Moses had died, and, and they were crossing the Jordan into the promised land. It's interesting because uh, Scripture tells us that when they were crossing the Jordan, the Jordan was at flood stage. And I can't help but think Joshua would have been like, God, seriously, we're supposed to do this, but the rivers are crested their banks, and it's flooding, and this is the worst possible time for, for you to do this, God. Why couldn't you have waited till drought, and then we could have crossed? It would have been easy. And I, I felt like that some with God. But I keep coming back to the, the fact that God is calling us to do hard things so that we can't get the credit for it. So that he can get all of the glory for himself. See, you're wondering if your marriage can be saved. And it absolutely can. But you can't do it. Do you know why? Because God's going to get the glory for it. Because you're going to say, we were moments away from divorce, and God rescued our marriage by the grace of God and brought us back together. And your story is going to help other marriages be rescued. And it's not going to be because of you. It's going to be because of the grace of God. God calls us to do hard things so that he can be glorified through it, so he can get it all. I can do all things through him who strengthens me. But again, it's about our calling and aligning up our calling to what God is, is doing. 
In Ephesians chapter 2, verse 10, Paul says this to the church at Ephesus. He says, for we are his workmanship created in Christ Jesus to go to heaven. No, that's not what it says. For good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. God prepared good works for us to be a part of. And he's set them in front of us so that we can walk and journey through those good works. When we do that, we are blessed. Why? Because we're saying, God, I want to do what you are blessing. Instead of saying, God, why don't you bless what I'm doing? God is desiring for us to do incredible things. And he will empower and equip us to do that when we get in line and begin to follow everything he's got for us. Let me get back to Philippians. Verse 14 says, Yet it was kind of you to share in my trouble. And you Philippians yourselves know that in the beginning of the gospel, when I left Macedonia, no church entered into partnership with me in giving and receiving except you only. Even in Thessalonica, you sent me help for my needs once and again. He's saying to this church at Philippi, you supported me. Thank you for supporting me. And I don't know if you've noticed, we've had some videos, we've had a couple of our missionaries and different ministries we support that we've been able to highlight in this room, whether here personally or on video. And I love that we're able to do that. And do you know why? It's because it allows our missionaries to say, thank you for supporting us. Thank you for helping me. Because that's what Paul's doing to the church of Philippi. He's saying, thank you so much for supporting me. Nobody else was supporting me, but you did. And I love it because they have the vision for reaching other places. See, Thessalonica was not even that far away. It was in Macedonia, the same place that the church of Philippi was. It wasn't very far, but they still said it's not about competition. It's not about who's going to get the most people. It's about us seeing God's glory made manifest on planet Earth. And I'm so grateful that we're in a community that I, I, I don't know how the other churches feel. I don't feel competitive with any other church in our town. I want revival to break out at Sovereign Grace. I want Greystone and, and Calvary Presbyterian churches to blow up at the scene. I want them to see people saved and the lost come to Jesus. I want to see marriages restored. I want to see people made whole. I want to see that all over our city <laughs> because it's not about us. It's about God's kingdom. And I love the fact that the church of Philippi understood that and they said, we're going to send Paul right down the road and he's going to start this church and we're going to support him in it. Paul says this in Romans verse, uh, chapter 10, he says, For everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. Aren't you thankful for that? That everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. Verse 14 says, How then will they call on him who they have not believed? And how are they to believe in him of whom they have not heard? And how are they to hear without someone preaching? And how are they to preach unless they're sent? As it is written, How beautiful are the feet of those who preach good news. But they have not all obeyed the gospel. For Isaiah said, Lord, who has believed what he has heard from us? So faith comes from hearing and hearing from the word of Christ. This is why it's so important. Paul understood it. The church of Philippi understood it. The reason we send missionaries out is because what we have is good news. And the good news is not just for us. It's for all mankind. So that's why we have missionaries in Ireland and El Salvador. That's why we have uh, ministries here in our town that we support, whether it's Life Choices or, or Young Life of Indiana. Um, churches here in the United States in Columbus or in, um, in Victor, New York or in Washington. Uh, Washington, D.C. Why? Because we want to get the word out to everybody we possibly can because the good news is good news and we want people to know that. And I don't know if you know this or not, but if you give a dollar 
to the Summit Church, at least 10% of that dollar will go to missions, go to ministry outside our church. It goes to reaching people who may never, ever call this church home because we feel that strongly about it. We feel that strongly about getting that good news out and empowering and equipping people who are planning churches, who are starting ministries and being a part of God's work in different places. Philippians verse four, uh, chapter 4, verse 17 says, Not that I seek the gift, but I seek the fruit that increases to your credit. Not that I seek the gift. Doesn't this sound like something a preacher who's asking for money would say? No, 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 no. It's not about me getting money. It's about you being blessed. If you just send $10 in, I'm going to send you, right? That's what it kind of sounds like. But Paul's being sincere here. He's already said, he's already established Man, I know how to live in abundance or in lack already, right? Because his source is not the church of Philippi. That's not where his source is. He understands that. He understands that his source is Jesus Christ, that his source is so much bigger than the federal government or his job or anything like that. His source is God. And when your source is God, you don't have to worry about when your boss shows up unexpectedly. Are you going to lose your job? Are you going to be cut? Are you going to be in trouble? You don't have to worry about what does my job performance look like? Am I hitting all my numbers? Do you, need, you probably need to try to hit your numbers, but understand that your source isn't the federal government. It's not the local government. It is not your job. Your source is God and God alone. That's why he can say, hey, it's not about me getting this gift from you. It's about fruit being increased in your life because he was excited that generosity was being stirred up in the local church. He goes on in verse 18, he says, I have received full payment and more. I am well supplied, having received from Epaphroditus the gifts you sent. And I love this language. He says, a fragrant offering, a sacrifice acceptable and pleasing to God. He hearkens back to Jewish worship. And again, they weren't any longer under the law, so he wasn't required to offer a sacrifice like they did in the Old Testament. But he hearkens back to that language when he says, a fragrant offering unto the Lord, a good and pleasing sacrifice. What he's doing is he's kind of hearkening back to that language. Because again, um, anytime we bring a sacrifice to God, anytime we give of ourselves, give of our finances, it is going to cost us something. And this is what he is kind of hearkening back to when he says this. Verse 19 says, and this is, this is incredible. And my God will supply every need of yours according to his riches in glory in Christ Jesus. Um, I didn't intend, this, this isn't even in my notes, but some of you, I've talked to people in this church that have said, man, I'd like to start tithing. I know I need to. But man, I just don't see how it adds up. And you look at your budget, and it just doesn't make sense. And you go, we don't have 10% anywhere to give. And I get it. I totally get it. But I will tell you this. Um, when we say, God, I'm going to put you first in my life, well, let me say it like this. When we demonstrate a generous spirit to God, he will demonstrate his generous spirit to us. Amen. We see this over and over and over, not just in Scripture, but in our lives. Uh, let me ask you to do this. I'm not trying to put anybody on the spot. If, if God has supernaturally provided for you financially in some way, I want you to raise your hand up and keep it up high. All right, all over this room, you can put your hand down. God is not in short supply for finances. He doesn't need your money. He needs your heart. That's what he is after. And when we develop a generous spirit, then God begins to reveal his generous spirit to us. And that is what this is all about. It is not about um, Paul saying, hey, you need to send me more money. You need to up your support. Nothing like that. That's not his heart at all. But he's saying, 
as you're giving, as you're demonstrating your generous spirit, God is demonstrating, he's pouring out his generosity on you because of what you're doing, because of your heart. This is what it says in Genesis chapter 12, verse 1 through 3. It says, Now the Lord said to Abraham, Go from your country and your kindred and your father's house to the land that I will show you. I love this, because God's telling Abraham, Hey, everything you've known, you need to leave it and go someplace. And Abraham's like, where am I going? He said, I'll tell you when you get there. I'm like, well, wait a second. How many of you like to go on a road trip with your husband like that? Your husband's like, hey, get a bag, put it in the car, we're leaving. Where are we going? I'll tell you when we get there. I'm like, I don't know if I trust you that much, honey. I love you, but this is what God says to him. In verse 2 it says, and I will make you of you a great nation, and I will bless you and make your name great. Don't you love that? He says, I'm going to bless you. I'm going to make your name great. But sometimes we stop there. And it says, so that you will be a blessing. God doesn't bless us so we can have more. God doesn't bless us so I can get the 68 Camaro. Do you know why God blesses us? So that we can be a blessing to somebody else. So that we can demonstrate a generous spirit outward to other people. He says, I will bless those who bless you. And him who dishonors you, I will curse And in you, all the families of the earth shall be blessed. Now, this is the Abrahamic covenant. This was God's covenant with Abraham. But when Jesus came, what he did basically was he broke us of having to be in the law, but he also established the covenants with all of us. So the covenant that God had with Abraham, it still applies to us if we want it to. God can bless the nations of the earth through you. God can bless the people around you through you. But it's a matter of you saying, I'm willing to be used. I'm willing to be a blessing. I'm willing for God to pour out a spirit. We're not blessed so we can have more. We're blessed so we can bless more. This is what it says. We're going to finish up the last few verses. Philippians chapter 4, verse 20 says, To our God and Father be glory forever and ever. Amen. I like this because... If you've ever gotten an email from me or maybe a card in the mail, typically I will sign for his glory. And the reason I do that is I never, ever, 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 ever want to forget why I do what I do. That it's not so I can have a prestigious role or I can be the boss or I can be a pastor. Everything I do, I want it to be focused on this one thing, making sure God is glorified. And I don't always succeed. (laughs) I mess up royally sometimes. But I love how Paul finishes this letter. He says, to our God and Father, be glory forever and ever. Amen. He says, greet every saint in Christ Jesus. The brothers who are, uh, who are with me greet you. All the saints greet you, especially those of Caesar's household. The grace of the Lord Jesus Christ be with your spirit. I like this last part because he says the people that are part of Caesar's household. It's clear to me that the gospel is going forth. That people of different backgrounds and different socioeconomic classes, different religions were coming to know Jesus Christ and were being changed. And that is a picture of what our church should be, that we're reaching people of diverse backgrounds, ethnically diverse, that we're diverse in our ages. I mean, I want us to have a church that has a whole bunch of retired people and grandmas and grandpas. I want us to have a big population of those people in our church. But you know what else? I want us to have a whole bunch of kids running around here. I want us to hear babies crying. Because that means that people are getting saved. That means that new families are coming in. 
I want us to have a diverse church. I want us to value diversity. And that's one of the things the church in Philippi did. It says, we're all different. Man, we got people that are Jewish background. We got Gentiles. We got people that literally work in Caesar's home who is a part of this fellowship. And that's what God wants for us. He wants us to be a diverse group of people that are united around one common goal, to see Jesus glorified. Now, the key passage we went through was Philippians 4.13, I can do all things through him who strengthens me. And today you might be dealing with one of those moments where you think, I cannot get through this. Maybe it's your situation at work, with your finances, maybe your relationship with your spouse. Something's going on and you think, I- I'm not going to be able to make it through this. I'm ready to give up. But I want to encourage you today, whatever God calls you to do, he empowers you to do. If God has called you to that workplace and you know God's got you there for a reason, don't get discouraged. He's going to empower you to reach your workplace. He's going to empower you to be a bright light in darkness. If you're married today and you're struggling in your marriage and you're wondering if you're going to be able to make it, don't give up. Don't give up. You can make it. God's going to empower you and he's going to equip you. He's going to help you get through the tough times. If he's called you into that marriage, he's going to empower you and equip you to walk it out and get it healthy. Don't give up. There's some of you today, you've been sitting on a dream that God has given you. You've been sitting on it for years. I want to reiterate this again. If God has called you to something, he's empowering and equipped you to do that something. Don't wait. Begin to pursue that. Begin to say, God, how do you want this dream to unfold in my life? What is it you're speaking to me to do? What is my calling? And then stop asking, God, will you bless what I'm doing? But then say, God, how can I be a part of what you're blessing? And then go do it and see what God does in your life. He will wreck your life in a good way if you'll let him. Let's pray. God, I love you so much. And I'm so thankful for the opportunities we have to serve you, to make your name known, to glorify you in our communities, Lord, in our jobs, and our homes. And God, I pray that we wouldn't take that for granted. I pray that we wouldn't take that lightly. Lord, you see those today that are struggling in different circumstances, situations that seem tough. And God, I pray today you would equip them, empower them to walk this situation out in a way that's going to glorify you. Lord, I pray today for people who have abandoned dreams and hopes. Maybe they had a calling on their life to do something great for you, but Lord, they've abandoned that long ago. I pray today you would restore that dream and help them see that whatever you are calling them to do, you are equipping them to do. So today is the day to restart that dream and restart that passion, restart that vision. Lord, I pray today you would help us do everything you're calling us to do. And we wouldn't give up on that. Now with your head bowed and your eyes closed, if you're here today and you say, Mel, I, I'm not even really a follower of Jesus. I'm not even really in relationship with him. I, I need to make sure some things are right with God today. And so today I want to restart a relationship with him or I want to start a relationship with him. Because every relationship begins with an introduction. I got introduced to my wife. If I had, wasn't introduced to my wife, I couldn't have fallen in love with her. And that's what this relationship is all about. It's about saying, hey, I want to introduce you to somebody. His name's Jesus Christ. He's going to change your life. If today that's you and you say, hey, I... I need to be in a relationship with Jesus. I want you to just slip your hand up and hold it up for just a moment. Thank you, over here on my left, who else? A couple hands over here, thanks guys. You can put your hands down after you raise them. Who else? Says, that's me, pray for me. Up in the balcony, 
Are there any hands? Okay. If you're watching online today and you say, that's me, I know the Holy Spirit's speaking to me today and I need to get some things right, we're going to say a very simple prayer here at the Summit Church. We're going to say a prayer that people here are going to repeat after me. Wherever you are, I just want you to repeat this prayer after me and believe it in your heart because what you're doing today is you're being introduced to Jesus and he's going to make things whole. So let's pray this prayer. Everybody in the room, repeat this prayer after me. Dear Jesus, I need you today. I can't make it on my own and I confess my need for you. My life is a mess, but you work through my mess. Thank you for loving me. Thank you for saving me. I give everything I am to you. I commit to chase after you every day of my life. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Hey, can we give God a big round of applause? Now, I'm not going to make you bow your head and close your eyes, but if you're here today, um, I'm not trying to embarrass you, but if you're here today and you said, man, man, I need some prayer. Um, I think God might be calling me to something and and I just need his help doing it. Would you just uh, slip your hand up and let me pray for you? Thank you. Thank you. Quite a few of you guys raising your hands. Thank you. All right, let me pray one more prayer of you. Jesus, thank you so much that your calling is without repentance, that when you call us to do something, God, you don't forget about it later. So Lord, I'm asking right now for those in this room that are, Lord, struggling with something in their life and they need your help with, God, I pray that you would empower them to walk through it, Lord, whether it's uh, just a difficult circumstance they're walking through, Lord, whether it's a dream or vision that they've let die, God, I pray right now you just begin to empower them and equip them, give them knowledge and understanding of what they need to do and how they need to take those steps. And Lord, I pray that they wouldn't delay any longer, but they would do it right now. And God, I pray for every person that's watching online that needs this prayer. God, I pray you minister in them. Lord, I pray that you would let your Holy Spirit touch them wherever they're at, God. I pray that you just have your way with every one of us. Lord, more than anything else, be glorified through us, through our words, our thoughts, and our actions. Be glorified, Lord. I love you, and I thank you for what you're doing in this place. Thank you that we all corporately get to be a part of it, and we're going to give you glory for it. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. Hey, this is what's going to happen right now. Uh, We're going to go back into one more song of worship. Uh, And I'm going to ask all of you, as we're worshiping, stay in your feet. Let's just go after God. Let's reflect on what God has spoken to us. Maybe God has spoken something specifically to you today. Just reflect on that. Let God continue to speak to you. If you need prayer of any kind, uh, whether it's something we talked about today, or maybe you just need prayer today, physical healing in your body, uh, something's going on in your mind, whatever it is, we want to pray with you. And so our prayer team is going to be on either side of the stage. And we just want to agree with you in prayer. And if you responded today, if you raised your hand and said, that's me, there's a prayer card in that seat and back in front of you. You would take that that card out and let us know how you responded. There's two sides of that card. After you fill it out, you can drop it in one of our offering boxes before you leave today. Because this is what happened. If you raised your hand and said, I need to get some things right with God. I need to become a follower of Jesus. We want to follow up with you. Okay, we don't want to embarrass you, but we want to let you know what the next step is. We want to let you know how you can develop in your walk with God. And so we want to come alongside you and help you with that, okay? So fill that card out, drop it off before you leave, or you can email us at prayer at summittogether.com and let us know, and we're going to pray with you. We're going to celebrate with you. So why don't you stand to your feet? We're going to go back into one more song of worship, and then we'll be dismissed here in just a moment. <laughs>